that's when we stay in alignment and that's where the fulfillment is. And so, yeah, it's really, for me, it's really about just staying in alignment with the heart. And, you know, there is no saying I changed my heart. There is only a saying I changed my mind, right? Because heart <laughs> is not such changing. That's a good call. Hey, guys, welcome to our Soul Fam podcast, where I interview space holders from all over the world. I am your host. My name is Carolina, and I am the Connection Catalyst. Today's guest is Ryan Magic, the master coach and the founder of The Core Method. Welcome to the show, Ryan. How are you doing? How are you going, beautiful human? I'm really excited to be here. It's a fucking honor to be the first guest Yay! on the show. I'm the so Soul excited. I am so excited. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Of course, I'm really, really interested in everything you do, especially that now I know that as you have gone through the whole uh, master coaching program, I know, you know, how you were uh, coaching in the past and I know the growth and the expansion that you've, you know, um, achieved, let's say, and how your coaching is right now. And I really am proud of you, man, for the, you know, for the skills that you've gained. So I'm really curious about this um even this term, master coach, what does it mean to be a master coach? Yeah, well, I just made that up when you asked me, what do you want to <clears throat> bring on the show as your title? And I was like, I'm a fucking master. So <laughs> it's not so much like uh, master for me was just to try to demonstrate that I've done a lot of coaching and I really know my stuff in this, in this realm. Because, for example... In the last certification, the last certification program I did was a breathwork certification. The one before that, where I learned a lot of different modalities, there was like trauma release, internal family systems, somatic release work, emotional release work. There's so many different modalities. And so, yeah, I, I, for me, a master coach is someone that, to be honest with you, is embodied and then knows, knows how to hold space and discern what's needed for the client at each time, which Oh man, it takes a lot. And I see it, the emotional, physical, and spiritual layers of reality, being able to have done a lot of work emotionally and then the deep inner work, being able to have done a lot of work spiritually and being able to, someone that's done a lot of work on the physical reality, like made a lot of things happen in their life across different areas. I feel like those three pieces as the coach, having gone through them so they can speak and understand and empathize and understand and really know what it, it's like to have embodiment across the three layers. And so, yeah, I, and yeah, I'll leave it there for now, but this is a huge topic. I feel like we could spend a lot of time discussing. Yes, and I'm really curious to hear about how do you determine which of all these tools uh, are you using in the specific moment with the specific person? Like, how do you know? Yeah, when I get into a coaching uh, situation, I really see there's two main elements. Like one element is being present there and using intuition to understand what that person needs in that moment. So for example, if somebody's like, oh, I just, like a client might come to call me, I've had all this stuff going in my relationship at the moment and my partner doesn't love me. Me being able to go, cool, close your eyes down for a moment because I can acknowledge, oh, they're actually really in their head and they need to feel what's going on in their body and their emotions can guide us through the the breakthrough as an example of a micro skill but then i also see that it's important to have like a macro understanding of where 
they're at on the journey of their life, um, of what they want in their life at the same time. Because what, what I've done a lot of, what I did a lot of recently was practicing helping someone navigate through to get the deepest internal shifts in a coaching call, which could be using, like I can use the discernment and my intuition in a moment as to, do I want to guide them to go and do some inner child work where they need to have some, create some feminine safety. They need to be nurtured in a traumatic memory that they had a lot of charge around, or do I need to take them back and help do an an, inner child work and create masculine safety where they set boundaries to the person that caused trauma, like created the, the, the charge back in that, or do I need to get them to forgive themselves? Or do we need to do some shame work and they need to have their eyes open and speak out something that they're ashamed about? Or do we need to, they need to do an emotional release or a somatic release. Being able to discern what's needed in the moment's one thing. And I've really practiced a lot of how to navigate that. However, like people can get into this personal development journey and continue to look for like the micro, the micro, the micro. I'm in it. I'm doing deep inner healing. I'm doing deep inner work without actually having someone hold space for where they're actually moving in their life at a macro level. And so yeah, I would say intuition is the way that I navigate it, but I think also intellect and also having some kind of structure to my philosophy on what it takes to live a fulfilled life is important so that we don't just get caught on perfectly navigating uh, healing in the moment and creating a release, but then the person's continually circling in the work as opposed to being able to zoom out and make kind of like a bigger picture progress towards how they want to live and how they want to feel and that ultimately what I see is them living their most fulfilled life, holding, holding both of those in the same time is, is what I see is like an important contrast. Balance. Beautiful. I love this perspective. Awesome. Thanks for sharing. And I'm uh, also really, really, really curious to hear what on your journey was the most effective, most powerful or method or methods, depending on, you know, maybe there could be a few, but for you personally, because, you know, everyone has an individual body, individual mind, and for one person, something can work for the other person, maybe not, because one person might be more sensitive or one person might be more logical. So I'm curious for you personally, what was like, you know, one or maybe three most powerful methods? I'm not sure about the methods in particular, but... I feel like the thing that creates the most growth, I feel like someone can have a breakthrough to then move forward and do what they want to do in the world. Or someone can actually do the thing they want to do in the world and that brings up the shit that mm-hmm. they can then heal on the journey. Like, And so I feel like it can be approached externally and the internal growth comes or it can be pro- approached internally to then like need permission to do the external. So when I work with clients, my my approach unless some unless i feel like someone's safety in their nervous system is so little and they've got to do like they're really struggling to feel a sense of uh wholeness in a really obvious way where they're not functioning healthily as a human unless they're in that situation in which i would prioritize the internal first but if they're kind of like they've got some stuff to work on triggers are coming up they're not feeling empowered all the time sometimes disempowered sometimes empowered but they know kind of who they are and they know they want to grow but even if they don't know where they want to go, my intention is to find the external world thing that they want to go after and then to really, yeah, to to use that as the way to unearth the 
the growth on the pursuit. So for example, I was working with one of my clients that I started working with two months ago. And the first thing I did was figure out what her absolute dream was. Because I could tell she kind of like could hold herself. She had enough to be able to function healthily as a human. And then her dream was to be a speaker and run workshops. And that was like a way down the line goal, like three years down, maybe I'll be doing that. And I was like, cool, you're going to run a workshop, a paid workshop of like a thousand dollars kind of for a ticket in a month's time. And then you're going to do it every month for the next nine months. And she was like, what the hell? And she spent like two weeks freaking out, crying about it, getting all kind of overwhelmed and like way beyond what she felt comfortable doing. And it brought up all the internal stuff of her not feeling enough. It brought up deep wounds around her parents. It, it brought up the inner stuff. But her doing it in the real world liberated her in a way that just doing the internal work couldn't. But it in, invited both. Mm-hmm. So I see like the world, the world as the most effective modality to create healing. And that's a gap that I see in the coaching space. And I feel like that's because a lot of people in the healing industry don't have the real world integration themselves. And that's why I was saying earlier on the call, someone being a master coach from my perspective is someone who's embodied and embodiment can happen from a spiritual layer, a deep inner work layer, or it can happen from the, the real world. And I, and I feel like someone going out there in the world and having the courage to, to bring themselves to what they really want in the world uh, is such an important aspect. So I would say that that's the most important modality the, the world. That's amazing. <laughs> I love that because, you know, it's the same with the work that I do. Usually when I, when I do belief work with my clients, the most important thing is actually the action step. What do you consciously do? out there in the world to bring yeah. all these internal shifts that you've already created in yourself to actually bring it and to bring this whole potential of the reality that you created in your mind to physicality and to actually like doing something about it because you know i always say to my clients yeah. if you have a belief that you are a multimillionaire but you spend your whole day on the sofa watching tv and you know that's all you do you're probably not gonna be a multimillionaire, right because you need to do something about it so that yeah. the universe actually can bring you situations people you know meetings or circumstances for you to achieve the goal so i completely agree that actually going out there and doing stuff is a beautiful and powerful, you know, healing uh, modality. That's awesome. Yeah, because people are going to be confronted with their deepest wounds on the pursuit of it anyway. So it's not like it's an avoidance of the internal work. Because if someone's like, let's say someone really wants to be in their dream relationship, and I say, okay, cool, who are a few people you know that would be your dream partners? And they're like, well, I know this online person or that celebrity Oh, I know my, my, I've got a friend of a friend that I think is amazing. It's like, cool. You're going to go ask them all out on a date right now. Then they're like, what? They're way beyond where I'm over. So they're saying <laughs> they want the thing, but they actually don't feel like they're worth it. And so in the pursuit of getting them to do it, it brings the unworthiness to the surface. And then in the sessions where I'm coaching them, I can do some healing on them and I can get them to work through that. Um, but it, it really brings it to the surface when they're out there doing the actual thing. That's actually a great yeah. way to do it. I haven't really thought about doing it in this way where you put someone in the situation when 
they re- literally have no choice where they are like in the kind of worst case scenario almost, which for them is actually the best case scenario, for example, having a relationship or, you know, doing this thing, because then really all this subconscious yeah. stuff has to come up. It's like, you know, bubbles from the depth of the ocean exactly. is just coming to the surface and you need to deal with that. So I freaking love it. I yeah. I haven't done it in this way, but and maybe I will. Why- <laughs> Yeah. And that's, that's why I also will never work with someone with like a one-off session. Like I never just do a one-off session with somebody um, unless it was on the internal work, like on one specific thing, maybe, but I, I, haven't, I haven't done it up until this point. I work with people over a longer period of time because then they can't escape <laughs> their own healing. <laughs> like <laughs> You shall not <laughs> escape. <actually> <laughs> Recently, I've I felt like most modalities. If you look at like completion process, or you look at Dr. John D. Martini's work, or NLP, a lot of the modalities in the the healing and personal development, personal growth space come back down to healing our relationships with our parents, because our parents are the biggest like bestowers of trauma usually in our lives, and so usually people will like healers or people that have modalities will concentrate on relationships we have with our parents. And so like I've been working on my own modality recently with uh, healing a relationship with the parents because I've done a lot. I've done a big chunk of deeper work on it recently. It started to click. So, cause I'd done maybe I'd been coached a total of a hundred times. I've been in a hundred healings on mass, like my mom and my dad across the years and felt like, I can just keep doing healing on this, but I'm not getting any massive shifts because there was some missing pieces. And so I also feel like healing the relationship with our mother and father is such a difficult, but profound modality or angle to take to our healing. And there's that quote that's like, if you think you're enlightened, then go speak a w- spend a week with your parents. Oh yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. That, I feel like that's, that's an, what's up. <laughs> place to go. That's another thing. How 100%. to bring up your deeper, deepest wounds and your all your traumas. Just go live with your parents for a week. You can be sure that they are gonna come up. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. And so, so I see that would be the other. Yeah, yeah, and I, I completely agree. And, you know, like some people think that if they just like don't focus on their relationship with their parents, that it's all just sorted because they are going to go and live, you know, separately and they're going to go meditate, you know, for hours a day and, and just be super zen. But yeah. the truth is that, you know, there is always a part of us, there is this inner child and this inner child always needs approval and love from the parents. So no matter how much we can distance ourselves from the parents, the part of us that still needs them in a way is within us. So it's kind of as we were just suppressing some of our needs and, you know, so yeah, I really, I really vibe with that, that it's a very, very powerful tool. Um, I'm experiencing it right now living at home as well. And I feel like it's actually great because I can heal all these things that were triggering me probably for 20 plus years. And now living with my parents, with my mom and my stepfather it just all comes to the surface and I'm actually super grateful. And that's another thing that I wanted to talk to you about, like the relationship to healing, because I feel like a lot of people, or at least I did on my journey, 
when I first started healing, I felt I felt like I need to fix myself. Like, you know, I have to heal myself because I have so much trauma. There's so much, you know, so many beliefs I, I need to change. And right now I feel like my relationship is like, oh, I'm triggered. That's cool because I'm going to be, you know, free of this trigger. So I'm going to be, you know, feeling lighter. And so, um, you know, having said that, what would be your advice to people who still are in this mindset of like, I need to fix myself or, you know, I'm not enough. I need to heal. Yeah. I, w I would say like most people that get into personal development do so because they've had particularly tough upbringings and it's come from necessity. That was certainly my experience. And a lot of my friends that are in the space can say the same thing. So it was almost like, coaches are often the most wounded people in society and that's what calls them to the work but on the same token like i see personal development used as a self-punishment tool so often and it's almost like let's say someone before they get into personal development they're like this is where i expect myself to be this is where i am or maybe like let's say they're in a normal job in a relationship that's average and that it's like this is how life is and so they're like my, I'm meeting my expectations of where I feel like I should be. And then all of a sudden they go into a Tony Robbins seminar and it's like, you could be doing all this and your relationship could be better and you could heal this. It's almost like the gap between where someone is and where they think they should be is almost the size of the, the, the unhappiness that they choose to put themselves through. And so it can be really dangerous sometimes. And so I feel like being really careful and, and understanding that personal development and coaching and healing and spiritual development is an opportunity, but that you can feel like I've got these things that I call the, the core agreements or the four agreements. And I feel like I, the reason I created these was because for this exact reason, and the four agreements are fulfillment is within fulfillment is within. So understanding that no matter what is pursued in the real world, like if I'm, if I dream of having this, my perfect day, what does my perfect day look like? I could be, let's say it's doing all these crazy, awesome experiences and adventures with people that I really love. I could be with the people I really love doing the craziest shit in the world. And I could be having a terrible emotional experience inside. And I often give people this like scenario. I'm like, would you prefer to be in a garbage tip with the, the, the partner of your dreams, having the most in the rain, in like a storm, having the most amazingly deeply connected experience ever? with them for 30 minutes or would you prefer to be in paradise in like your favorite location in the entire world being having the worst argument ever with your partner and so like, clearly you'd rather be in the garbage tip having that beautiful experience mm. so like first and foremost fulfillment is within the second piece is like everything is perfect and that's like really surrendering and having faith that you you are where you are for a reason and you're exactly where you're meant to be Everything is, is perfect. The third one is my heart knows, meaning that all the answers that you need are within you right now. And the fourth one is that I can handle anything. So any situation or scenario that I'm in that seems challenging, I know I've got the resources. I've handled, I've got a 100% strike rate. Everything that's happened to me in my life, I survived if I'm alive right now. So it's like, I can literally handle anything. And so I feel like those being the, the foundation of healing can really support someone because it's easy to use it as a self-punishment tool. And that's a real, something that I've experienced a lot of, and I still sometimes do if I learn a new modality. It happens less now, but 
I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know what my my personality type is in this thing and how I can best navigate it. And Oh my gosh, I haven't done that type of healing before. I haven't done that plant medicine before. Maybe I still got all this growth to be done and now it's going to be longer until I can feel good in who I am. And it's like, that's me using the, these opportunities to experiencing a, a greater connection with myself as a punishment tool. That's a real shame. So my advice would be like, see it as an opportunity, not like a rule to feel good. Yeah, absolutely. I resonate with that so much. And I, I see it as like either you're coming from fear that you're not enough, that there is still something that you need to fix or you're coming from love because if an excitement as well, because, you know, you can see healing like, oh, my God, I'm going to heal it. It's going to be so good. And, you know, and and you can see it as, oh, my God, I still haven't done this. And, oh, I still have so much work to do. And it can be overwhelming. And I feel like, you know, I've been there. Mm. <laughs> I felt this, you know, I, I know how it feels to be like, oh, I'm so not enough. And then if you have this perspective, if someone comes to you and brings up uh, maybe something that you, you know, hurt them with or maybe a program that they see in yourself, some subconscious behavior or pattern and they want to bring up for you, you go straight away into the defense mode because you cannot handle feeling like you're still not enough and you have even more to, you know, work through. And I've been there, but now I feel like, you know, sometimes when I'm super vulnerable, of course, I'm not um, very receptive to feedback, but in, if in everyday life, when I'm feeling good, I feel like for me, it's like, oh, I can be even better. I can have even more connection with this friend. I can have even more love for myself. I can, you know, go through this and actually let it out. And then this whole filter of reality of this emotional charge will be lifted off me or this belief can be changed. Yeah. And then my life can be even better than it is now. So just, you know, bringing more yeah. excitement for what will come and just focusing on like the positive future outcomes rather than like negative past, let's say, you know, that what happened and that made us feel not good about ourselves. Yeah. Well, to be honest with you, Cody, like what you mentioned there around like, what would you say to people in the relationship with healing, like using it as a self-punishment tool? That's a whole reason I felt the poor, the motivation to create the core method, which I like, this big part of the core method is called the core compass. And it's kind of like a compass. What do I do in this moment to know where I'm going? Because I felt so confused at different times. Because if anyone that's listening to this is like me, I want to have it all. Like I want to feel peaceful, but I also want to feel really successful. I want to be really abundant. I want to be deeply connected and have the most amazing relationship. I want to go through and do the deep healing work but I also want to experience all this crazy experiences in life. I want it all. And I felt so pulled in different directions in different times. It's like, do I meditate? Is that the secret? Cause it's like, I know there's relevance. I know the feeling of that oneness and I know the feeling of transcendence and being in the subatomic quantum world. And it feels amazing, but it also feels amazing to have deep friendships and relationship, but it also feels amazing to be on the pursuit of a goal and going through challenge and moving through that challenge. And it's like, what the fuck do I do? Do I heal? Is it, do I need to heal right now? Do I need to meditate right now? Do I take action? Do I set a goal? Is that goal like true in the material world? Am I like, God? and I was getting confused with all these different layers of reality that I've explored, like the physical, emotional and spiritual layers and not knowing how to navigate my life with so much. And I feel like that was the shadow of doing over $750,000 worth of personal growth with mentors and courses and seminars and modalities. And so I created the core method for that reason, or the core compass being a big part of it. And the core compass is essentially like three steps. 
that someone can use to live in their heart versus live in their head. I just distilled life down to like a way that I can litmus test. Am I like, am I doing the right thing? Am I doing a good job? Well, it's like, am I in my heart or am I in my head? And that became the, like, I use that as my game now. It's like, so I'm either in my heart or in my head. And being in my heart is essentially being present. Being in my head is living in the past or living in the future. And it's also feeling, if I'm feeling stuck, I'm in my head. If I'm feeling free, I'm in my heart. And so the core compass is essentially like a three-step process. to Like in any moment where I'm feeling stuck, to be able to get feel free again, live in my heart. And for me, that's the game. But, but what it takes to live in my heart is different in every situation. And so the three steps are, first and foremost, being aware that I'm stuck. That's like awareness is the first step. And so in any moment where I'm feeling stuck, overwhelmed, triggered, grieving, anything where I feel stuck and overwhelmed, anxious, whether it's like heightened stuck, like anxious, overwhelmed, or whether it's more apathy and depression, like, or any kind of like experience where I'm just, or confusion, I'm stuck. First step, just being aware. And then as soon as I feel aware, I just have, I celebrate the awareness. Holy shit, I just realized that I was in my head. I just succeeded already. And I feel compassion for the fact that if I'm ever in my head, it's my intellect's desire to try to create safety. So it's feeling unsafe. And so first and foremost, awareness over the fact that I'm in my head. The second step is discernment. And it's using my connection to my heart because the core method, core, C-O-R, is the Latin root word of courage and core means heart. And the courage is the third step. I'll speak about that in a sec, but it's so important to, the, the heart's got like every answer we could possibly need, which is why in the, the, the core four, like my heart knows is the third piece is because our heart does know. But this is the thing that helped me, this second step of discernment. Whenever I was like, do I meditate? Do I break through? Do I, what the fuck do I do? I went, okay, cool. Well, first I need to have awareness that I'm stuck. And secondly, I need to discern what's needed in the moment. And there are four things that you can do. You can release or regulate. You can execute or experience. And so I realized that, and, and the presupposition of this whole method is that life's about living in the heart. That's the way that you win is by living in the heart because you could do so many different things. And you could be like, oh, I've got to heal, got to heal. But you're going to heal for the rest of your life. You're going to need to do releases for the rest of your life. So it's like in that moment, once you've become aware that you're stuck, then discerning what's needed now in this moment and feeling it to the heart. Do I need to regulate my nervous system? I need to upregulate, do some dance, do some affirmations. Do I need to like downregulate by just put, giving myself a hug or asking for a hug or making some breath sound and movement? Do I need to just quickly take some deep breaths? Like, do I just need to regulate my nervous system? Or do I need, do, or do I need to like dissect and there's something deeper here because I'm stuck, but this thing I'm stuck on, such a big fucking thing that keeps coming up. What's needed in this moment is I need to release. I need to dissect and go deeper and figure out, maybe I do a healing with a coach or maybe I need to do parts work on myself or maybe I need to um, do some inner child work right now and I need to do something a bit more, an emotional release. I need to do something bigger. Do I need to just regulate or do I need to release? Do I need to, or do I need to, and that's inward focused, or do I need to be outward focused and either experience, which I see is the receiving or the feminine. Like what I'm needing right now is to fucking adventure. I need to go on an adventure. I need to have a bath and enjoy, or I need to watch a movie or I need to sing with my friends or that's what's really needed right now. That's what I'm needing to return back to my heart. Or do you need to execute? 
do you need to have masculine action, which is the giving? Do I need to serve? Do I need to do a podcast? Do I need to do a Facebook Live? Do I need to plan? Do I need to like fix my diet, improve my diet? Like, do I need to take masculine action? And in the heart, the knowledge of the heart can bring forth what's needed. But for me, just understanding that they're the four options, do I release or regulate? Do I execute or experience? And knowing that then that's the discernment step two of the core compass. The third step is then having the courage to execute, to, to actually do whatever the thing is. Because it takes courage to say, no, I need to hang out with friends right now. It takes fucking courage to do that. It takes courage to say, no, I've got to jump on that Facebook Live or I need to put money down for that program or I need to I need to uh, put money into Facebook ads or I need to quit my job or I need to say, like, leave that relationship. And then knowing that any one of those four things could be what's needed in that moment for you to return back to the heart. But if you can have awareness that you're in your head, discern what's needed and then have the courage to execute it, then you're living back in your heart again. And knowing that what that presupposes, though, is that it's always ongoing. Like you're then going to forget and go back to your head. And then you're going to go through the process again. And then you're going to be in your heart and you can just enjoy it and just be present in your heart. But then you're going to get stuck again. You're going to feel stuck again. And then you can discern what's needed, be courageous and do it. And you'll be back in your heart again. And then you're going to forget and you're going to feel stuck. And then you're going to have to discern what's needed, be <laughs> courageous and get back in your heart. And that's a process that I know that I'm going to be living through for the rest of my fucking life. Sometimes I'm going to have to go, what's needed in this moment? And it's going to be like a big like action. i got to enroll myself in like a Vipassana retreat where I spend 10 days meditating. Sometimes I'm going to do an ayahuasca journey. Sometimes I'm going to do a deep emotional release. Sometimes I'm just going to have to fucking play guitar and enjoy that and experience. Sometimes I'm going to have to take a big business action. Sometimes I'm just going to have to regulate and move forward in my day. But it's like what's needed in the moment for every different person is always different. And so just acknowledging that and acknowledging that the journey is never, it's, is ongoing. It's, it's never ending. And that, that for me gives me permission to go. It's not like I'm going to arrive because the core compass is always like, I'm always going to need to know what's next and just enjoy it. And then like surrender into the courage of taking whatever that is, whether it's doing nothing, having the courage to do nothing, or it's the courage to do something arriving back in my heart, living in my heart is the answer. And that's not a finite destination. Mm. And that's so beautiful that you say that because I feel like a lot of people in like self-help and personal development, you know, um, area, they think that, oh, once I heal this or once I achieve this, once I do this course, I'm going to be healed and it's all going to be done. But as you said, it's a dance between going, you know, you say the head and the heart. And I also compare it to being more in your like ego and personality in mind and then being more in your soul because heart is a bridge between our physical and our divine. So it's kind of a dance and it's always going to be because if yeah. we were meant to be on this earth, being completely in our soul without any, you know, programs, any uh, traumas, anything like that, we would probably just not incarnate yeah. on earth. <laughs> and so it's going to be a never ending journey of growth. And actually, if we can see yeah. this as something beautiful, as something that is enjoyable, like the like the process of, let's say, dancing or playing music. It's not like you play music because you want to finish it, right? Or it's not like you dance because, oh, I'm yeah, going to be done with right. this dance soon. It's like, no, I'm dancing because the process of it is beautiful and I'm playing music or singing because the process of it is pleasant. So I feel like with healing, it's also good yeah, to have this approach. Like the process of healing is actually beautiful because we can grow, we can learn, we can expand because 
you know, imagine that we are just yeah. all enlightened and nothing is happening really. We're just all Zen and here and now present all the time. There would be no fun, <laughs> really. I always say like almost as yeah. if it would be a little bit boring even because, you know, if we never had to achieve anything and like grow and expand, there would be there would be no fun on Earth. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, 100% agree with that. And it presupposes as well that like, there's something that's needed in that moment to stay in alignment with our heart. Because what you were just saying is like enjoying the process. Well, I feel like surrendering to going, again, having that presupposition of everything is perfect. Like I'm exactly where I'm meant to be. Because if, if you listen to your heart, your heart discerns that you need to heal by doing an emotional release. There is nothing else that you could have been doing in that moment because your heart is telling you. And this is why I'm a, I like create this method, the core method, like in other words, the heart method is because the heart has full integrity, meaning that the heart doesn't just change its mind. You can't, you don't feel into and go, what do I know to be true? The heart knows it doesn't just change its mind five seconds later. The head does. The head doesn't have integrity. The head's just doing, throwing anything out there. It's kind of like, someone that feels like it's about to die someone's being tortured and it's like do you know the information it's like no yes no 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 i don't yes i do it's this and it's like they'll do anything to stay alive and so it can be like yeah i need to do that i should be with that person no wait no 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 i need to stay in my relationship no i need to be with the person <laughs> no, i need to stay in my relationship i need to quit my job i need to... whereas the heart's just a deep sense of knowing and so because and what and when we feel it and we know it it doesn't change like it'll change over a long period of time but in that moment it's like no i feel that what's needed now is i need to fucking step into a healing right now and that's there's integrity in that and so there's alignment and so whether it's like once we know that that's like this is what i need to do in this moment we can honor it and hold ourselves with more dignity and conviction and surrender to that going there's nothing else like i could do to stay in alignment with my heart right now i have to do the healing because that's what my heart's telling me and then we can fully go into it and enjoy the experience. Like you were saying, if we play guitar, if our heart's like, yeah, that's what's needed. But if we're playing guitar, but a part of us knows and we feel, no, I know that what my heart's wanting me to do is fucking do that podcast and we're playing guitar, then we can feel out of integrity with our heart. Yeah. We're like, fuck, I know that what I'm meant to be doing is that podcast, but I'm choosing to go against my heart because I'm feeling scared of doing the podcast. And that's why my head's ruling it because I'm going from fear and not love. Choosing the podcast would be love because that's what my heart wants me to do. That's when we stay in alignment and that's where the fulfillment is. And so, yeah, it's really, for me, it's really about just staying in alignment with the heart, which no one's a master of. I'm not a master of, but I feel every time we say yes to our heart, it gets easier and we live more, a more fulfilled life. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's kind of like building a relationship with your intuition, with your soul. And, you know, there is no saying I changed my heart. There is only a saying I changed my mind, right? Because heart That's is not changing. That's such a good call. <laughs> heart is not changing anything, you know. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah, if we listen to it, so we true. always know what's best. And, you know, yeah, sometimes the best thing is actually to lay down and cry for an hour or two. Sometimes that's the best thing and that's okay. Yeah. And sometimes when you have the whole day of, you know, work scheduled, maybe the best thing is actually to, yeah, as you said, hang out with friends or do something else because this is going to be for our highest good and health in this specific moment. So, yeah, I totally am all yeah. for, you know, listening to your heart because really this is the most powerful energy center in our body. The, the biggest electromagnetic field that we can create is from the heart, not from the brain. 
right? So it's actually our biggest mm, yeah. compass and guidance system. And if we can just take a moment every time before we make any, you know, important decision about our life to tune into our heart, I feel like if everyone did that before deciding about big things or anything, really, we would live in a completely different world. <laughs> it's so true. I love that. It's like we don't say we changed our heart. We say we changed our mind. That's gold. Exactly, right? <laughs> so it's such a good point. And what I, Yeah? You go. I was just going to say, for anyone that's listening right now, I really like want you to hear that what Caro and I are both saying now is that you're, the, you're your own healer. Like, you know better than we know. We're just sharing from our experience and we might gift you some clarity that you can choose to have help you in your life. But you know what's next for your life more than we know. We can't know what's next for you more than you do. Your heart's the one that has the answers. And that's what I really like about this core method and why it's really helpful for me is because when I discern what's needed for myself and I know that I'm making a decision from my heart, I feel a sense of confidence in, I'm like, yeah, it doesn't matter who Tony Robbins could come and say, I think you should do this. And I'm like, I don't really care what anyone, it doesn't matter whether it's Tony Robbins or Oprah Winfrey or anyone, Teal Swan saying I should do this, this or this, my heart knows. And then when I've got, the more that we build a relationship with our heart, the more that we have this sense of self, the stronger sense of self, a stronger connection to our confidence and self-worth. And so the you that are listening, if you can just listen into your heart the next time you're going to make a decision, whether it's what you're going to eat or whether it's whether you're going to leave your relationship or not, it's like it's your heart will give you an answer no matter what the situation is if you really listen. So, and you can do that. Yeah, absolutely. And I also believe in that because a lot of people perceive healers as like, you know, come and heal me. And it's like, no, you always heal yourself. Healer is just a guide or a facilitator or, you know, someone who can help you navigate space the change. Holder. Yeah, <laughs> space holder. Exactly. Um, but not actually the person who <laughs> creates the change for you. Um, but so what do you uh, perceive as like, how would you define holding space? Because maybe some people who listen to it, they don't know what it means. So how would you define that? Yeah, well, I love a answering things spontaneously. So I haven't really thought about it. But what's coming to heart in this moment is that it's the ability to create safety. So mm. like holding space from my perspective, like let's say there's a healer and you were saying a, a healer is someone that facilitates or, or supports, I feel like, or holds space. I feel like what that means is creates enough safety that the person can then feel comfortable enough to go where they need to go, to choose what they need to choose, to decide what they need to decide, to move how they want to move. Mm. And that's like way underestimated in the coaching and healing space, way underestimated. And, and from my perspective, if I was like helping someone who wants to become a really an amazing coach and my job was to like take them from their level of coaching skills to like the best coach they could possibly build one of the core things that i would focus on with them more than anything else is understanding how to create safety in the people that they're working with and understanding how to create safety in themselves and i feel like safety like one angle of how you can look at safety is having awareness over what someone else needs so it could be like, and we we're talking about this on the podcast last night with 
with Ricky and myself where we're talking about friendships and what makes a good friend. And we're saying if someone brings problems to you, instead of like trying to solve the problems or fix the problems, asking the other person, hey, how can I best support you right now? And the presupposition there is like, I don't know. I don't have to try to guess. You know more than I do what's going to make you feel safer. Because, mm. for example, like we're very sensitive in our in the in the parts of life where we're healing. If I'm like going through a deep wound, the trauma, I'm in the most sensitive I could possibly be. I've got the most chance of feeling unsafe versus anything else in life. So it's like subtle differences can make me feel incredibly safe or unsafe. And if, as you know, because you know me really well, Caro, for me, for example, if someone, uh, if someone gives me advice in a moment where I'm feeling really sensitive, I'm going to feel ridiculously unsafe because my dad was constantly giving me feedback as a kid. So if, I'm, if someone's like, hey, you know, it's okay, just let it out. And they use that tonality, just let it out. For me, I'm instantly blocked and I'm not going to show any emotion for the rest of the call. Mm. Just let it out. I'm like, you're telling me what to do, which presupposes that I'm not doing the right thing is what my inner child thinks. Mm -hmm. And so just having the subtlety and knowing the nuance and having such presence and such perceptive awareness around how your behavior to somebody else is impacting how their body is responding, how safe they respond, how safely they're feeling based on your way incredibly acute sensory acuity to what their experience is mm. um, on the same token. Yeah. And, and it, for me saying like, you're doing a really amazing job makes me feel really safe. But to somebody else, like one of my really good friends, Greg, if I say you're doing a really good job, it, to him, it feels really belittling. Like once I said, Oh, that's awesome. You did that man. And he said, Oh yeah. Do you want to give me a gold star too? <laughs> like, he's like, fucking, I feel so unsafe off the bat. For me, it feels awesome. For him, it feels really crippling. Mm -hmm. And the same thing where someone else could be just let it out. For them, that could be like, oh, thank you for giving me permission. For me, it's like, I really don't like that you said you told me what to do there. I feel really unsafe with that. Mm -hmm. And so I would say that like space holding from my perspective is an art that takes a lot of practice to become a master of. And that's what determines whether someone can feel safe around you and for you to be a good space holder um, is whether they feel safe around you. And there's a lot that goes into that. Yeah, absolutely. Because they need to trust you to actually open up next to you. Uh, and I feel like, you know, what we're also talking about here is attunement, like massive attunement, because as you said, for one person, yeah. it could be like an opening up. And for the other person, it could be something that instantly blocks them and so i feel like yeah attunement and also what i would add to that is presence yeah. what you mentioned at the beginning because yeah. like without presence there is no yeah. space held right because you need to be in order to be fully attuned to the person you really need to be present in every single second because even within seconds someone's emotional state can change completely because they might go suddenly into their inner child and then you need to react accordingly right you might need to nurture this person yes. with your voice or you might need to, you know, encourage this person. And so I feel like what you said, plus massive presence, and I think it's really correlated uh, with each other, is what space 100%. holding really yeah. is. That's beautiful. And I feel like this, this discussion is so valuable. It's so valuable. 
and it's under it's underrated it's like it's not given as much siggy as what we would say <laughs> it's not given as much kudos in in society uh being a really safe well-connected person and to me that's like the foundation of an amazing romantic relationship a really incredible role because one quote that i came up with in response to feeling unsafe in a previous relationship was um safety safety precedes fairy tales Mm. (laughs) so like before we before we like have this amazing biz like our friendship or before we have this amazing intimate relationship as a baseline we need to feel safe in each other's presence and if Mm -hmm. any moment safety is compromised we know that it's a foundational human need across like uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs safety is the bottom Tony Robbins six human needs certainty is the bottom which is safety or like even Preston smiles like needs model safety is the or the, the chakra the, the chakra so like, model right because root chakra is the safety chakra and without yes. that the energy cannot flow up so if it doesn't you if you if you're not grounded in safety in your root chakra you cannot even reach the heart which is connection and love right because the basic root is not yeah. open yeah you can't reach any other one and that's like if some if some if i someone points a gun at your head nothing is relevant other than getting that gun away from your head you don't think about what you're going to eat for dinner. You don't think about sex. You don't think about money. You don't think about your goals. You don't think about love. Nothing else matters. <laughs> it would be really funny if someone did like, think about it, though. Imagine someone. Maybe they have point. like some kind of like wiring. <laughs> they really like, get turned on by threats and it like triggers them into a. They get an erection. <laughs> I just imagine this. Imagine someone with a gun. Mm, I feel like eating carbonara today. <laughs> it would be so funny. <laughs> <laughs> you could probably wire someone like that as a kid you get like a water pistol and like point it at like a two-year-old child and like every time you hand, hand them carbonara you like point a gun at the head and then the association gets wired <laughs> it's possible yeah maybe all right we have a few minutes uh, left and i'm uh, super curious to hear a little bit more about the core method because you mentioned some elements of that but if you would like to share a little more about it i would be super glad if you could cool well i love this and i'm just going to pre-frame that the core method is something that i cognized but that flowed through me and was gifted to me from the universe or from God or however we want to frame that. And I feel so much reverence and like gratitude for it because like I said earlier, it helped me and I still haven't fully embodied it to be clear. It's like I first cognized it maybe a year ago and for the last year I've been using it, forgetting about it, changing it, improving it, just like playing with it. But, but the essence behind it is having a way to like know what is going to like creating some direction to the, the feminine flow of healing and personal development. Because for me, I was really struggling with the idea of just surrender, flow and meditate and enjoy the experience, but then also set goals because the challenge feels good. <laughs> just all the things like I mentioned earlier. And for me, it just created a new compass of like my heart being in my heart means that I'm, I'm winning. Like that's the, that's the thing that gives me everything. Cause if in my, if I'm in my heart, I feel peaceful. If I'm in my heart and I'm following my heart and I'm discerning, like sometimes I'm taking action from a masculine standpoint. Sometimes I'm enjoying and receiving from a feminine standpoint. Sometimes I'm doing the deep inner work 
sometimes I'm just using my personal resources to regulate so that I can go back to homeostasis and feel somewhat empowered and full in the moment again and just enjoy it and just move forward with that. And so for me, it's like the purpose of it was creating direction and knowing that like being in my heart is the ticket to fulfillment. Because I think all those different goals of like, is it peace that I'm looking for? Is it love and connection with other people? Is it abundance, freedom? Like what the fuck is it? And it's like, the answer is I want all of those things. And being in my heart is uh, fulfillment encompasses all of them. To me, feeling fulfillment is is a consistent experience like of the highest quality life that I can live, consistently experiencing the highest quality life that's possible. And so living in my heart to me is that because it, it's, it's discernible and subjective to the moment. Um, so that's, that's the essence behind it. And I mentioned before the core compass, which is, okay, if I'm feeling stuck, the process to returning, returning from my head that prioritizes safety is the key objective versus my heart. And my heart's key desire is growth and and love that how do I move from that? It's having awareness that I was in my head and then feeling compassion and celebrating the fact that I had the awareness, then really deeply discerning what is the bridge. And so the core method is really awareness, bridge, courage, ABC. It's like the ABC to returning in your heart. It's like, what's the bridge in this moment from being stuck right now, which is going to be different the next time I'm stuck, but in this time, then using discernment to discern the bridge required, whether it's regulating, releasing, executing, or experiencing, and then having the courage to take action to return back to the heart. That's kind of the ongoing way to use the core method. But there's also a series of what I uh, of foundational pieces that I believe just allow us to more proactively live more in our heart. Things that we can do that are just more heart-orientated habits. So for example, one of the foundations to being more proactively in the heart to me is having a consistent meditation practice. There's like five key foundations. One's meditation. One is having really good health. And for me, health is through the acronym SHED, (laughs) which is essentially good quality sleep, uh, hydrating, exercise, and diet. And just they're, they're just the... I feel like if these four things, if any one of these four things is out of whack, then we're going to be like the repercussions of it. We're going to be in our head, stressed, stuck, confused. Like if you get one hour's sleep, nothing else matters other than just like resting. Yep. Nothing is going to like pause more from our heart than that. Or if you're having sugar all the time and overeating and eating processed food, you're not going to remedy that through anything other than like improving your diet. Or if you're just not hydrating, there is nothing else that's going to improve the situation more than hydrating. Or if you're you're not moving your body at all and you're still all the time, there's nothing that's going to remedy that more than like finding the, the form of movement that suits your body. So exercise is like another foundational piece that can just really help us get in our heart more proactively. So you're less stuck, less off, and you don't have to use that process of awareness, bridge, and then courage. Then you've got uh, the quality of your relationships. And so for me, that is like mastering the core skills that enables you to be an amazing, uh, someone that can, can, can really deeply and safely connect with other people. I'm not going to go, unless you want to ask more questions around that later, but we don't have a huge amount of time, but essentially mastering communication, um, conflict resolution and connection with people. And then you've got, <laughs> this one's a big one, ego traps. So essentially addiction, distractions, 
like any one of these, again, these, these, like the core foundations, it's essentially you can, without it or with one of these things being out, it could impact your life to be in your head and to feel stuck and to feel confused more than anything else. So for example, sugar is like an ego trap. Binge watching TV is an ego trap. Smoking cigarettes, ego trap. Alcohol, ego trap. Um, porn, ego trap. Gossiping, ego trap. So it's like, while any of these things or substance abuse, ego trap. Um, social media and like, because all these things are addictive addictions that pull us into our head because what happens is they're used by our body as distractions from our deeper emotional pain and so we become addicted to it because we've got to keep pushing the emotions down and like the addiction and once we become reliant on an addiction it loses its power to change our sensory experience because we normalize that addiction so let's say binge eating if you if like if I right now smashed a bunch of fast food, it would completely change my state because my body's really sensitive. Because if I was having it all the time and I got used to like hardcore processing this fast food, it would start to lose its uh, its ability to change my sensory experience, which means it's not as effective at distracting me. And then I need to layer in more addictions. Mm-hmm. I can just keep layering them in. It's this downward spiral that like has us living in an embodied state of fear and feeling stuck. So anyway there are some proactive things as well that people can do. But if anyone's actually interested in learning more about the core method, I've got a bunch of trainings on it for free. You can find through my Instagram. So just send me a message saying core method to at the Ryan magic on Instagram. I'd love a message anyway. And I'll just send you a bunch more training on it because it's very, as you can tell, it's very thorough and extensive. And it's very simple when you get into it, but it takes some like going through the complexity to understand the simplicity. That's amazing. I love that. I love that, man. Uh, thank you so much for this explanation. It was super interesting. You're so welcome. And um, welcome. for the last few minutes, I would like to ask you, what is your number one advice for all the coaches out there, you know, maybe with not as much experience as you as a coach, because you've been doing it for years now and you're really, you know, mm. really a master coach now. So what is your number one advice for all the people who listen, whether they are healers or coaches to really, you know, up-level their skills or the space-holding ability, dare I say it? <laughs> yeah, it's a great, great question, Kara. And thanks for asking because I feel like the place in which that's coming from is creating the opportunity for the coaching industry to prioritize integrity at a higher level. And a lot of people don't ask that question. And I wasn't even asking myself that question Mm. until the last few years, probably the last two years, because my experience was being the coach's coach, helping Mm -hmm. coaches grow their businesses. And at that point, I was still coaching a lot of people. And sure, I was still like improving on some level, more the physical layer of reality, the embodiment piece there, like really going out there, being courageous and, and proving that I can take a bunch of action in the world. And so that was helpful, but I wasn't prioritizing becoming a better coach. Mm. And so I would say there's three, three areas, like factors to becoming a really good coach that someone could take into consideration. Practicing. Mm-hmm. improve like learning more about your skills which i'd say like is creating the capacity to be a better coach putting that into practice which is using that capacity mm-hmm. and then and then you have the third factor which is the embodiment piece of their own approach to life mm. so i would say like you can either improve coaching skills or do a coaching certification 
learn more about coaching. You can improve your own life. And both of those increase your capacity to be a good coach. But then practicing coaching then allows that capacity to be a good coach to be like gained and grabbed. Like you got to actually put it into practice. And so I reckon you could easily just litmus test or just test someone and just get them to fill out a really quick quiz and just be like, what's the area that's most growth for you? Is it that you just don't have many coaching hours on the board? Then practice. Is it that you really kind of like suck at, you got zero connection to spirituality? And, and here's the thing though, when it comes to the embodiment piece, you can coach on the areas you're less embodied at. So let's say you've, you haven't touched spirituality at all, which I very much doubt if you're listening to this podcast based on the, the, the name of it. But um, let's say, for example, you, you've got, you really struggled with finances your whole life. You ha- you, you're single, you're overweight. And it's like, and you've struggled to have good relationships. And so it's like your material world, like physical way of reality, the embodiment of that thing sucks shit. Like you're not really living embodied at all. So it's like, you're not that inspiring as a coach if your life kind of reflects this mm-hmm. disempowering looking life. That's that's okay though, because you could be really in touch with your emotions and have a really deep spiritual connection and you could coach people on that and you could really be embodied in those other areas and just not claim to be, you know, I'm really good and people will see it anyway. And yeah. so you can have some embodiment in those other areas, practice a bunch of coaching but you got to discern, do I have no coaching skills? So maybe I need to do a coaching certification or just start researching ways like in re- research, somatic release work, emotional release work, deep trauma work, different ones. Like, um, you know, two modalities, completion process and site K they're like two different certifications that you did or like, you know, do you want to do a meditation course? I'm a, med- a certified meditation teacher. I'm a certified breath work facilitator. I've like done courses on internal family systems, trauma work, NLP, emotional release work, somatic release work, all these different modalities. And it's like, that's one of the categories. So if you're Mm -hmm. like, I don't have many tools, get a tool. But then if it's like, I've got a few tools, I've done a coaching certification, but I haven't practiced at all. Fucking practice. Like even if you're doing it for free, that's one thing I really And heal yourself, right? With these tools too, because otherwise you're not going to be able to share the healing with anyone if you haven't worked on yourself. So once you have a tool, use it on yourself and see how it works. And then you can better guide others through that, right? Absolutely. And that's that embodiment piece on the emotional layer. So it's like, do you need the embodiment, physical, emotional, or spiritual? Do more of the work on yourself. Do you need to improve your skill set? do a coaching certification or get some more tools or do you need to practice Mm. and like those three factors are really important and uh, all very very important and i would say most coaches just haven't practiced i would say everyone could improve in all three every coach but i'd say practicing is a really good place to start and unfortunately i contributed to what i'm about to say uh, magnifying is a problem in the space is that there's so much of a focus of people coming in to get the lifestyle benefits of being a coach first and they're feeling unsafe because they've just transitioned from security now they've taken a leap of faith and i know we're getting right to the end i can see the time as well <laughs> but they've, they've transitioned they've transitioned from like stability and security they've just dropped that to become a coach and so they're kind of like torn between well, i don't have the option but to try to grow the business side of becoming a good coach mm. before those other three factors that i mentioned there 
is they don't have enough safety, which is a reflection of their lack of embodiment in the physical world. Mm -hmm. And then they compromise on, they don't have the money to invest in a coaching certification. They don't have the time to invest in coaching other people because they're impatient. They're like wanting something before they're even good enough to get it. And it's like deserving enough to get it. And that's like a bit of a sticking point that the coaching industry has created. So. Thank you so much for sharing that. It was so valuable to see, to hear all about all these three points. And I feel like they are so spot on. Unfortunately, we need to finish uh, right now. So thank you so much, Ryan. I'm so glad that I had you on the <laughs> podcast, so my first podcast of Soul Fam series. So thank you so much, sending you much <laughs> love. And I hope to see you and hear you on the podcast again at some point. Anyone that's listening to this right now, I love you. Cody, I love you. And this is going to be the most incredible podcast it already is. This is going to, like, you're such an amazing host and you're so embodied. So, yeah, I'm just excited for everyone else. And if anyone's listened to this and they'd like to send me a message to let me know what they thought of the thing, at the Ryan Magic, the Ryan Magic on Instagram, I'd love to receive a message. Thank you guys for watching this episode. I really enjoyed connecting with Ryan and I hope you enjoyed it too. I just want to let you know that we are in the process of building the directory of spaceholders on solfam.com. Virtually all the guests that I've interviewed are going to be listed there. So subscribe and stay tuned to be notified when that's live. I wish you a wonderful day and I'm sending you lots of love.